Brother V.P. Black because he probably spoke on giving more than any person alive or dead in this country and did so much good. I think it's inestimable, did I say that right? How much more has been given in churches across this country as a result of his work. And I appreciate that very much. Tonight we're going to talk about intentional giving. You know, most people are intentional in the way they spend their money. Well, I really hope people are. But then I checked and I found out only 30 to 40% of folks operate by a budget. And so that means the majority of people are not as intentional as they need to be. But yet, still they may be asking, well, what's the payment? and Where do I sign? So there is some intention. You know, there's some things that people are very intentional. You know, we've reached the point where it's clear. People are going to have a cell phone. In fact, I heard one fellow who worked at a place that sold cell phones. He said, folks would rather eat. No, no, no. They'd rather have a cell phone than eat. Well, I found out this, that the average monthly cell phone bill is $73. And uh, it can go from a high of 148 and then, of course, to a low to average out at 73 And yet, what do people do? They sign that contract to get that phone. The average rent in Montgomery for an apartment is $850. And you can be sure, they signed that lease. They were intentional about, I want this apartment and I'll pay this rent. The average mortgage in our country is $950, and that's excluding property taxes and insurance. In other words, they were intentional. They signed their name for 30 years saying, I'll pay this. And people are intentional about having an automobile. The average automobile payment or per month is $482. Now this one right here, I don't think you could get for that because it's a Tesla. Uh, I saw the first one last week, and it was when we were out of town, and Tish had some, uh, well, her tooth fell out. She had a temporary crown and bridge, and, and, and the glue didn't hold. And so we had to go to an out-of-town dentist. And we arrived as he arrived, and he was plugging up his Tesla, and I thought, oh, what's he going to charge? And he did charge a lot. But that was the first Tesla I'd seen. They started about $100,000. In other words, yeah, somebody's very intentional if that's the kind of car they buy. And then I found out this, that the average vacation is about $4,300 total. And when I saw that, I thought, my kids are going to say, Dad, you were holding out on us because we never spent that much money. And you know, if you were to say about, say, Christmas, uh, the average person spends about $700, about $1,400 a couple Caffeine for sodas and coffee, people spend nearly $1,000 to $1,100 a year on this. For pets, they spend as much as $1,100 to $1,500 on their pets in a year. So what about the giving, okay? We're intentional about how we spend our money. Are we intentional about how we give? Well, as concerns, if you were to talk about our country and tithing. The reason I speak of tithing is that's kind of the measure that Barna uses as far as its research. And we would understand that the Old Testament speaks of tithing 
and also understand that the denominational world generally maybe speaks of tithing. We tend to not use that word in the New Testament for our giving. We talk about give as we prosper, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. But anyway, they use the idea of, of tithing, and so they said, okay, what about tithing of folks in this country? And they said it's about in the 5% range, ranging really from about 4 to 7% depending on the year. Somebody says, well, surely some folks do better than that. Well, when they kind of amp it up to, well, what about good religious folks? Well, they say that born-again Christians, as they are being quoted, both evangelicals and non-evangelicals, that 12% tithed in 2012. And so, as intentional as people are about how they spend their money, there's still really a small percentage that's giving the equivalent of 10% or more uh, to a religious body. But as you think about intentional giving, you know, the first thing I would say is, remember this, God was intentional in His giving. You know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. And you can be sure of this, absolutely intentional. When the gospel was first preached in Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 22, there you begin to read, men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You know, as you see that, you'd have to say, okay, all this was planned. It was intentional. God was intentional in his giving. Well, as concerns Jesus would say he was intentional too in his giving. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we through him, that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. In other words, he is purposeful in that fashion. We'd see further in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, notice that Here's what he did, but it was for a purpose. In other words, it was intentional. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. So it's the case, clearly, that God's intentional, Jesus is intentional in our giving. And so then it'd have to ask, well, should we be intentional in our giving? You know, that's kind of a yes, and first of all, because God says that we should be. You find in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, that's about as plain as you can get. In other words, God intends that we purpose and we plan. And I'm convinced that if somebody is purposing, planning, intentional in their giving, they've not only done what God wants them to do, but they've also done themselves a favor. You know, we mentioned that maybe 30 to 40% of our country live by a budget. In other words, the vast majority don't. Those who set a budget, stick with a budget, typically 
do better in their finances, in their immediate financial planning, but then also in their financial future. For a person who sits down and he says, okay, now, what am I going to give, not just this Sunday, but what am I going to give in six months? Or what am I going to give throughout the year? They're probably having to not only plan, purpose, be intentional about their giving, but they're having to plan, purpose, be intentional about the money they have generally. More likely then to budget. Whether or not it's a written budget or kind of a mental budget, they've kind of gone through. Here's what goes where. So they can be sure that they're able to give as they intended come Sunday. Our giving should be intentional first, yes, because God says it should be. But next, notice, it should be intentional because we're giving to God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, you read about the giving for the temple. And I have to say, when I read that chapter, I'm impressed at the amount that was given for that temple. And we might be thinking, well, it's just for a, it was just a building. But that's not how those who were giving considered it. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 5, as you get towards the end of that verse, you read, Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? It wasn't about just that temple. It was about the Lord himself. And so I hope it is that as we consider our giving, it's not just, well, they need it for the lights, they need it to pay the building payment. No, we're giving to the Lord. As you get on a little further into that First Chronicles 29 and the giving to the temple, it says, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they offered freely to the Lord. Again, it wasn't just a temple. They were giving to the Lord. So you find in Psalm 116, verse 12, what may I give to the Lord? Or as you go to Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. Or as you come to Matthew 22, verse 21, as there was a consideration of, of taxation, well, they said to him concerning that coin, Caesar's, and then Jesus says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God. Give to God the things which are God's. And so again, the emphasis here in the giving is giving to God. And so I need to, if somebody just thinking, well, I'm giving to University Church of Christ, and I'm paying the utilities and paying salaries, and I'm paying, and you can go down the list. Well, that's what your gifts do. But I hope mentally you're thinking, I am giving to God. And then, frankly, as 
elders and deacons consider the work for the congregation. And they consider how this money that you've given to God is spent. They're thinking in terms of this is how we're using God's money. So it's giving to God. That's a reason we need to be intentional in our giving. We also need to be intentional in our giving because because we want to give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, but he calls attention to other congregations, probably the church at Philippi, maybe foremost in his mind, and about how they had given, why, in extreme affliction, out of poverty. In other words, giving was not easy. But then in verse 4 he says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. There's two words I think there that's just interesting to see. The words begging first and then the word favor. Begging. You know, sometimes we think of the guy that's getting is doing the begging. Not in this case. The givers were doing the begging. The givers were begging Paul, take it. They so wanted to be a part of the collection for the saints. They begged him to take it. I think that says they wanted to give. And then the next word is favor. You know, somebody says, let me ask you for a favor. When when they say that, they're the recipients. And maybe you're thinking, what's she? You may be thinking, what's it going to cost me? Not in this instance. The favor was, Paul, take it. Do us a favor by taking it. I've heard of instances before where someone was giving to an individual, and they, no, 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 and they were refusing, even though there was a need. Both both parties knew there was a need. They were refusing. And then the giver says, don't rob me of my blessing. It's more blessed to give than to receive. In essence, I'm begging you, do me the favor of taking so when I see these words begging in favor, it's clear to see that these people wanted, wanted to give. We also need to be intentional because we are but stewards. You know, going back once again to 1 Chronicles 29 and that giving for the temple, look at the last part of it. This that they are giving comes from your hand and it is all your own. This is what they're saying to God. What we're giving, it came from you. And it's all yours. 
we're going to be intentional givers when we look at everything we've got that way. It came from God, and it's all God's. In Deuteronomy 26, verses 8 through 10, he, he has some words there about as they would enter the promised land. You get down to verse 9, and it says, And he brought us into this place, the promised land, gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now bring the first fruit of the ground, look at this, which you, O Lord, have given me. So that's the way, way we need to be thinking. Anything I've got is because God's, God's given me. In other words, I'm just a steward of it. I'm kind of the manager of it. And what about stewards? They're to be faithful or trustworthy. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. So I need to be determined to, to be faithful with what He has entrusted me. Next, our giving needs to be intentional because we want God's blessings. In Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, you read, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So here, in other words, God, God blesses. In Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, pour down for you a blessing till there is no more need. In other words, God's blessing as they give. In Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth. It goes on to say, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with new wine. In Luke 6.38, passage that you've heard probably most often in this regards, give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now, I'll admit, when I read that, it reminds me of when I was a child picking peas. You know, we didn't want to make any more trips to the end of the row or back to the car that we had to. So whatever we were picking with, we would lay it in carefully, kind of push it down, kind of shake it, and then when it got towards the top, we'd kind of press it down some more. It kind of describes how God will give back to us. But he says, for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words... God's going to take care of you. I also want to be intentional, and this might sound like a strange thing, because this is the one time that we can test God. You see, in Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, now that's Luke's account of the temptations of Jesus by Satan. And you find there in verse 11, well, verse 9, he took him, to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said, you're the son of God, throw yourself down. You get down to verse 12 then, and Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. And that comes from Deuteronomy 6.16. Now I know we could discuss, okay, what are the circumstances, what does he mean by putting God to the test? But I think it's interesting here, he says, you don't put God to the 
test. You know, there's one time that God said, you know, you put me to the test. And that's that passage in Malachi. We've already noticed it kind of briefly. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. The one time that he just said, you test me. And it has to do with our giving and his blessing us. Next, we need to be intentional in our giving because, because we love God. Two places, well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are both discussing that collection and Paul's urging of the Corinthian church to be ready when he arrives in their giving. And in two places, chapter 8, verse 9, and then chapter 8, verse 24, he speaks of how their giving is a proof or proving their love. It's, it's a tangible way saying to God, I love you. I think everyone would acknowledge that uh, if love was just mere words and only sentiment, it just doesn't mean too much. As a husband, as a wife, you like to hear those words, I love you. But again, if it was just empty and sentiment and there were no actions that indicated I love you, those words would mean little. And as time went on, they would mean less. Well, here's a tangible way that we're saying to God, I love you. It's becoming a proof of our love. This is intentional giving. And I'd like to think that everybody practices intentional giving. The reality is the Bible also speaks of some who were intentional in their not giving. In that same passage in Malachi where God says, you put me to the test, look how it begins. He says in verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then look at verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. For you are cursed with a cursed. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. That's when he then says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So here was God's people, the nation of Israel. And as it's saying, we're not intentional in our giving, and God recognized they were not intentional in their giving. And then, you remember the story of the rich young ruler. You know, he came running to Jesus, you know, he came with urgency, went to the right place, person, Jesus. He asked the right question. He asked about eternal life. But then, you know, as that progressed, he spoke of how he had kept the commandments from his youth up. And, you know, 
we have no reason to question but what he was a good, godly, intentional man about keeping the commandments. In fact, Jesus does not contradict him saying, no, you have not. But he did say, you lack one thing. Then he tells them very pointedly, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. So this was said to that man. Jesus, looking into his heart, knew what the challenge was for the rich young ruler. And then as you come to the end of the story, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, he was not the intentional giver. I would hope that every one of us would have the the mindset, I want to be intentional in my giving, that I'm going to plan, I'm going to purpose, and I'm going to, as it were, wrap, wrap my life, wrap my finances around my giving. That my giving, it may dictate, literally, well, maybe I can't live in that house if I give as I prosper. Maybe I can't buy the Tesla if I give as I prosper. You know, maybe somebody can. In other words, literally, we're so intentional with that giving that everything else is wrapped around it, kind of determined by it. And so, our giving to God is with purpose or is intentional. Let's uh, pray together. Father in heaven, as we consider intentional giving, we pray that we'd be mindful You've given to us. You've given to us everything we have. There's nothing that there is but what it's yours. And we recognize you've given us the best. You gave your son. As he gave his life, gave his blood, he gave for our eternal salvation. Father, we pray that out of gratitude, out of love, and yes, out of intention, we would give back and that we would wrap our lives around, wrap our our finances around, our giving back to God, back to you. Help us as we leave this place to serve you gladly. In Jesus' name, amen.